Well, good morning, members of Emmanuel Church and others listening online. Uh, this is Pastor Alex here, and um, this is a sermon being uploaded for uh, Sunday, March 21st. Uh, this is going to be the second uh, recording, the second message during uh, the current uh, crisis surrounding the coronavirus, um, which has had so many negative effects on our society globally, uh, but one of the greatest of which is that God's people uh, in most places, certainly the United States and in other countries as well, are not able to assemble and gather. Uh, in the meantime, we've thought it best to at least deliver a message for each Sunday and to find ways to, to connect and to uh, still worship God in, in, in some ways together. And so that's what this recording is for. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're uh, at home with family. Uh, maybe you're out on a walk. Maybe you've gathered with a couple other uh, people you know. But I hope that this recording is a blessing to you as you seek to worship God uh, wherever you are this morning. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, as, as this situation continues to unfold and to uh, sort, of, sort of impact our lives at a number of different points, um, I, I find the, the inability to gather, uh, I don't think this is an overstatement, I found it to be somewhat agonizing. And um, I think I could speak for all of our elders here. Uh, we love you. Uh, we are for you. We're eager to see you again. We're praying for you. Um, and we hope that if there are ways uh, we as elders or even members of the staff as well can minister to you in these days, we hope that you'll let us know that. Uh, what I want to do now on this recording is share some announcements for our church family first, and then as we move to worship God, I want to, to pray and to provide a pastoral prayer, and I encourage you, wherever you are listening to this recording, if, if, if um, my words in prayer uh, echo the prayers of your hearts, that wherever you are, you would in fact say uh, amen to the prayers that are given. But I'll give announcements, then prayer, and then I'd like to uh, preach uh, uh, or, or deliver a message this morning for us. So first, with respect to some announcements, uh, so, so by now, um, uh, pretty much all services at all churches uh, in our state, most places across the country are obviously canceled. Uh, what we're saying is that for now, all of our gatherings across the board, Sunday worship, equip classes, prayer meetings, small groups, Bible studies, everything is suspended indefinitely. Uh, so we are prepared for... Uh, some of these cancellations to continue through April uh, into May, potentially. Of course, we don't know what a day will bring. We don't know where uh, 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 things are going, you know, from week to week. But for now, everything is suspended indefinitely. So we have no plans to gather uh, in, in the foreseeable future. And as soon as some of these restrictions lift, obviously then we can reevaluate and make plans to, to assemble again. Uh, but for now, our gatherings are all suspended indefinitely. Uh, that said, if you wish to have very small gatherings in your home, I mean, that's up to you. Uh, we're not going to be putting on any sort of small group gatherings like that. We just encourage you to be careful. Whatever you do, take every precaution. Uh, pay attention to the protocols that are being recommended. Of course, we can't stop you from getting together for dinner or for prayer, but please just be thoughtful and mindful and prayerful about any sort of gathering you do with anybody during this time, certainly keep those groups as small as possible if you do get together. Um, yeah. uh, so let me tell you about what we're going to be doing in the meantime, uh, considering that we, we can't actually assemble together. 
uh, as a church body or gather in any of our normal gatherings. So, so here's just a few things we'll be doing over the coming weeks, and this plan will, will take shape and adapt, I think, as, as the weeks go on. Uh, but, but one thing we'll be doing is every Sunday we will post online at least a pastoral prayer and a sermon. We're going to do that for the foreseeable future. Uh, posting a pastoral prayer and a sermon, uh, hoping that, that the other men will be able to lead us in prayer as well, uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Lai Chow, and maybe some others, uh, but, but, but that will be posted uh, every Saturday night or Sunday morning, pastoral prayer and a sermon. We hope that you make use of that every Sunday. Uh, assemble with your family or a friend or two and, and seek to worship God, enter into prayer and, and enter into the preaching of God's Word. Uh, Zach is going to be sending out a, a liturgy or an order of service uh, each weekend, so don't feel like you need to use that, but, but a, a few of our members texted me uh, last week and told me they were uh, trying to have something like worship services at home, and they actually printed out their own order of service and sang songs and read creeds and that, read the scriptures. That's all wonderful. Uh, so we're going to send out a liturgy each week that you can use with your family if you want. Uh, but don't feel like you need to. Um, if songs are sent out, you don't have to sing them if you don't want to. Maybe you just want to read through them. Uh, but, but this will provide some sort of framework and continuity for our church family and for still seeking to worship God even while we're apart. Uh, one thing we're going to try to do over the coming weeks is send out a pastoral letter each Wednesday or Thursday, and the elders will just rotate. But something that's devotional in nature, some sort of encouragement or exhortation or something like that, um, again, just to maintain contact and to keep uh, our thoughts uh, heavenward, to be spiritually minded through all of this, and to provide some, some, some pastoral care even through those letters. Uh, also, uh, so for members of Emmanuel, uh, your small group leaders uh, will, will also be calling you every couple of weeks, uh, hopefully every two weeks, just to check in, to see how you're doing, to gauge any practical needs, things like that. Uh, but, but just to keep regular contact with the church body, I think one of the biggest challenges we're facing as elders is how to pastorally care for a church membership, for the sheep of Christ's flock, when you can't be together, you can't see them, you can't gather. And so one of the things we're going to do is take advantage of, of the opportunities we have in our day and age to talk on the phone, FaceTime, Zoom, whatever. Uh, but we want to be in regular contact with you, so you can be expecting that one of your small group leaders will be reaching out to you at least every couple of weeks. Of course, you can call us anytime, but hopefully there will be at least that level of communication happening uh, every other week. Uh, we recorded a podcast this past week that's actually posted to our website under resources, sermons. There's a Q&A that uh, pastoral assistant Zach did with uh, myself and Pastor Ben uh, and, and we may do more of those. If, if you thought that was helpful, feel free to let us know and give us that feedback. Um, so we may do more of those in the days ahead as another point of, of contact. Um, but but uh, that's online for your benefit if it helps you. Uh, and then, and then uh, the last thing I'll say is, is um, we're, we're trying to be as aware as possible of any practical needs in the church body. of People who have been affected by um, uh, the, the, the quarantine, or things going on at work, or schools being out, whatever the needs might be, um, we, we really want to encourage you, let us know if there's a practical need the church can help you with. We have uh, uh, opportunities to go get groceries for people, we have staff that are prepared to do that, uh, we have benevolence funds, we have 
uh, the capacity to prepare meals here at the church kitchen. We have certain supplies we have access to. Uh, so, so please don't hesitate to make your needs known to the staff or to the elders, to Brad, our deacon, and uh, we want to, to meet those needs if at all possible. Uh, an email will hopefully go out either uh, uh, Saturday night, Sunday uh, afternoon with most of this information, so um, you can feel free to put it out of your mind for now. All this will be summarized in an email. What I'd like to do now is transition to uh, a time of prayer as we begin uh, to worship God together. Maybe you, wherever you are this morning, have already prayed or sung a song or, or read a scripture, read a creed. Um, but but, but I, I want to lead us in prayer for our world, for our nation, uh, for the kingdom of God, for our own local church. And so let me invite you, wherever you are, to, uh, to, to pray with me. Let's go to God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we begin this time on a note of praise. We want to praise you at all times, in times of difficulty and times of trial, as well as times of prosperity and blessing. Uh, we recognize that nothing that's going on in our world and not a single detail in our lives uh, takes place uh, uh, apart from your sovereign will, your sovereign decree. You are working all things together according to the counsel of your own will, and we humble ourselves and bow ourselves before your sovereignty, your providence, and your governing of the universe. We take solace in the fact, Father, we, we find hope and, and help in the fact uh, that there is not in this world a renegade molecule. There's not one atom that strays uh, from out, from under, your sovereign care. We trust you, Father. We know that you're good. We know that you are working all things according to your plan, uh, according to your will, for your glory, the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus, and wonderfully, mercifully, graciously, for the good of your people. And so help us in these days to praise you, uh, to rejoice as you've called us to do at all times, uh, to sing to you, to worship you, even in these difficult days. Father, we want to be faithful to remember uh, that during this time uh, we are uh, spiritually vulnerable as we're without our regular gatherings together. We recognize that we still sin every day and many of us are aware of certain sins we've fallen into even in these couple of weeks since this crisis has come upon us that make us ashamed. And so we pray to you asking that you would have mercy, that you would have grace, that you would you would call us to the regular routines and disciplines of faith and repentance and confession of sin. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us of, of our pride, that you would forgive us of any sinful anxiety, that you would forgive us for uh, straying from your word, that you would forgive us of worldliness and earthly-mindedness. Uh, Father, we pray that our many sins, uh, those that we are aware of and even of those we're not cognizant of, that you would convict us and that you would forgive us and that you would move your people to repentance. We thank you that in Christ there is plentiful redemption, uh, that there is abundant forgiveness, that where our sins abound, grace abounds much more. We pray that we would come to Jesus today and find in him forgiveness through his blood and his sacrifice for us. Thank you that in the gospel you have assured us of pardon. 
Now, Father, our minds and hearts turn to the events uh, going on around us uh, for this coronavirus epidemic, for this global pandemic that has gripped our world. We pray, Father, that in your mercy, in your sovereign care, that you would so, so align your glory, the good of your church, the salvation of the lost, you would align those three great priorities with the decisive end of the suffering that has come from this disease, from this virus. We pray that you would bring an end to suffering in the world in such a way that would bring good for your church, salvation for the lost, glory for you. We pray that you would be merciful. Uh, we think of many countries, uh, even, even worse than ours, that are, are in dire straits and terrible circumstances. Uh, we've seen the headlines and some of the stories, even some videos coming out of Italy, uh, that land there uh, that has had a great degree of history, church history, and spiritual influence over the years, and yet has turned from so much of that. And we're seeing uh, now so many who are dying, so many who are sick, hospitals that don't have the resources to meet the needs of those who need medical care, and our hearts are moved, Father. We pray that you would have compassion on the people of Italy, that you would give wisdom to the government there, and that you would not allow this to continue, this massive suffering that this nation has gone through. We think also of Spain and Iran and other countries around the world where this virus has, has had uh, a wider spread and a stronger grip on those societies and those nations. Please be merciful and deliver these countries. Deliver our own country. Uh, Father, we pray that you would give help to our nation, to our government. We pray that you would give wisdom to our leaders, to President Trump and those who are advising him, uh, for our governor, Roy Cooper, and our mayor, Alan Joins, at every level, give wisdom and give guidance to, to our leaders uh, such that they might enact protocols and policies and, and procedures that will bring about a curtailing of this spread of the virus, that would bring about an end uh, to, to this virus in our land. Father, we pray that you would work in hospitals. We pray that our hospital system in, in our nation would not be overrun and would not be, uh, have its resources depleted, uh, but that uh, the hospitals would be able to address needs as they arise and as cases emerge, uh, and that you would give wisdom to those who give leadership to our hospitals. We pray for news and media outlets as they seek to bring news to the public. We pray that, that, that there would be clear um, nonpartisan, unbiased information that gets to the people who need it most, and that there would be a clarity that comes through through news and media outlets. We pray for grocery stores as people are panicking and rushing on the grocery stores to get supplies, give wisdom and guidance to those who stock the shelves and those who make sure supplies are in place, that everyone might have what they need in order to be healthy and to be safe and to provide for their families. We pray for educators, even in our own church, but in our wider community, at every level of education, from, from even some preschools all the way through universities that are having to grapple now with, with online formats of, of offering education. Please, Lord, give wisdom to academic administrators and to leaders of schools and principals and presidents. We pray, Father, uh, that, that students would continue to be educated in this environment and that you would bring help to that sector of our society. Now, Lord, we pray for your church. Uh, 
We pray that you would give help to your people in every place, that as so many churches are not able to gather, uh, that nonetheless we would uh, engage in spiritual disciplines, in spiritual warfare, uh, that we would be prepared to withstand the attacks of Satan during this time, that the church uh, of the Lord Jesus would find ways to be connected and to uh, be able to maintain contact uh, between one another, and that you would help the gospel to go forward even in this time. We pray that people would be able to access sermons and Bible studies and messages like this one uh, for the good of their souls, the edification of their spiritual lives, and that somehow through all of this, your church actually would continue to be built and that you would not allow the gates of hell to prevail against her. We pray for our local body. Help us in these days to make wise choices, uh, to be discerning, help the leadership of the church, help the members of the church. We pray, Father, uh, that you would strengthen our church body even through this difficult circumstance. We pray, Father, you would bring good for us in all of this and that you would even allow us to see over these coming days the good that you're bringing for us. Help parents, help families, help marriages, help those among us who are single and alone uh, so much during these days and isolated from others. Please, Father, be a comfort and a help to each one and help us to grapple, to know how to carry on ministry in these days uh, even as we're not able to be together. Bless us now as we consider your word and as we consider your truth. And we pray this would be helpful to each one who listens. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For thousands of years, God's people have been gathering to worship Him, uh, both under the new covenant as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and under the old covenant as God's covenant people. Thousands of years, those who have served and worshiped and followed the Lord have been gathering together uh, uh, in, in bands of those who follow and worship God, have uh, been gathering together to worship the Lord. In the Old Testament, text after text tells us of the regular gatherings of God's people. Certainly under the Mosaic Covenant, there were, there were uh, uh, guidelines and strictures put in place to regulate and guide the gathered worship of God's people uh, in the temple, in the tabernacle, uh, and at, at various times and in different seasons. Uh, the Psalms especially extol the gathering of God's people together to worship the Lord. So many references to coming into the house of the Lord, uh, exhortations to call others together, to band together, to worship God and to serve Him. Uh, uh, all the way on down to Jesus' day, we begin to see that, that word synagogue, which was the regular assembly of, of the Jewish people. Uh, for worship and to hear the teaching of God's Word. That word synagogue is actually a Greek term that, that literally means gathering together. And, and, and so when you, you read reference to the synagogue and that regular gathering, it was the bringing together, the assembling together of God's people to worship and serve God and to sit under His Word. 
And um, it's not surprising then that with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the inauguration of the church era, God's people continue to assemble. Paul himself would start in the synagogues, the assemblies of the Jewish people. Uh, but, but after Christ comes and He completes the work of redemption and He rises from the dead and commissions His church, it should come as no surprise that we see God's new covenant people now continually uh, uh, to regularly gather. Uh, their practice was to gather then on the first day of the week, which we often call the Lord's Day. It was the day that the Lord rose from the dead, and the Christian church would, would, would gather that word church, uh, translated from the Greek word ecclesia, is, is uh, literally an assembly, a gathering together of people in one place. And ever since the resurrection of Christ on down to today, God's people have been gathering Lord's Day by Lord's Day, assembling together for the purpose of worshiping God. Uh, so in Acts 2, the day of Pentecost, uh, the, the, the the brothers were gathered together in one place. At the end of Acts 2, after Peter preaches his great evangelistic sermon and thousands are added to the number, what do we read in Acts 2, uh, verse, I think, 42 and following? Uh, we, we, we read that they devoted themselves to what? To uh, the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship together. They devoted themselves to assembling, to gathering together as the Lord's people. Uh, in Acts 20, verse 7, uh, we read that on the first day of the week, the disciples gathered together. They assembled together uh, to break bread, possibly a reference to the Lord's Supper. Uh, you have a passage like 1 Corinthians 14 that gives instructions about, about when you come together, when you assemble, when you gather together to worship God and how those meetings should take place with everything being done decently and in order and for the edification of the body. So we see that it, it was the pattern of, of the early church to gather and to worship God. What's more than that, uh, the Lord Jesus himself makes special promises for what happens when God's people gather, special promises that are accompanied to corporate gatherings. Uh, and, then, and then on down through church history, uh, we see that God's people in every place gather together Lord's Day by Lord's Day to worship him. Uh, many of them are very simple gatherings some of them are more elaborate, uh, depending on your church tradition. Gatherings indoors, gatherings uh, outdoors. Uh, gatherings in very small bands under a tree somewhere in the world. And uh, gatherings in ornate cathedrals uh, in various places. But God's people continue to gather as they have done from the beginning, week by week, to worship God. Uh, on down, uh, uh, members of Emmanuel, to our own church. Uh, from the very beginning, I mean, we began as a small group sort of book study, uh, but ever since, I believe it was January 29th, 2017, that was our first worship gathering on a Sunday evening, ever since then, we have gathered to meet. On May 28th, 2017, we started doing morning worship gatherings, then we became a duly constituted church on August 5th, and, and the next day, which was a Sunday, August 6th, uh, we began to worship God as a church, Sunday by Sunday. And the only time that has been interrupted is, is because of, you know, if we've gotten a big snowstorm or something like that, we maybe have canceled one or two services since we've begun. But we have continued in that great tradition uh, that, that, that goes back to even before the coming of the Lord Himself uh, in His incarnation. 
We have continued in the tradition of gathering week by week, assembling together with other followers of Christ, believers in God, and sitting under His Word to sing to Him, pray to Him, worship Him, uh, Sunday by Sunday, week by week. But now we find ourselves in a wholly unprecedented situation. I, I, I'm assuming for most of us, whether you're you know, 15 or whether you're uh, 85, um, it's, it's probable that you can't remember a time like this uh, when, when God's people were unable to gather, not just in our little local community in Winston-Salem, but literally all over the world. Uh, we did not meet last week. We're obviously not meeting this week. We're not meeting today. And we very well may not meet for several weeks, even a couple or a few months. I, I can't tell you when this situation is going to, come to, going to come to an end. It looks very likely this will go on at least through April uh, and, and possibly beyond that time as well. We're looking at a sustained period of not gathering together and so, we as elders have been seeking to grapple with, um, frankly, not just how to quote-unquote do church, but how to, how to be a church, an assembly, a gathering, when you literally can't do the very thing that is your identity. You know, sometimes you'll read uh, uh, various writers, they'll say, uh, um, identity determines activity, or activity is based on identity. You know, we, by definition, as a church, are an assembly of God's people. We're a local assembly, a local gathering, and yet we can't do that very thing that is essential to our nature, and that is to gather and to assemble. Well, how, how do you do church? How do you exist as a church if you're unable to gather? Uh, well, well, we're trying to grapple with that, and I want this sermon to help us uh, with that. So this morning, I want us to think about our regular gatherings. Um, this again is a topical address on a particular subject. Next week, we will resume, God willing, regular exposition of, of uh, passages of the Bible. But this is a topical message. I want us to think about our regular gatherings, what the regular gathering means according to the Bible, what it involves and then how we should think about going without those gatherings for the foreseeable future. So I have two main headings for this sermon, uh, if you're taking notes. Uh, two main headings, and the first is this. I want us to consider, firstly, the blessings and joys of the regular gathering. The blessings and joys of the regular gathering, of our, our gathering together for worship, our assembly together to worship God the blessings and joys of the regular gathering. And all I want to do is, is list seven of those blessings. There are a lot more blessings than seven, right? But I'm just going to list seven of the most obvious ones, okay? Number one, uh, we enjoy in our regular gatherings uh, the blessing of Christ's special presence by the Holy Spirit. The blessing of Christ's special presence by the Holy Spirit. Now, God is omnipresent. That means He is everywhere present. He is in every place. But the Bible commends a, a sort of teaching about the presence of God, especially through the Lord Jesus, through the Spirit, um, uh, that we could call the uh, everywhere present, but especially present here sort of, sort of doctrine. The idea that God is everywhere present, 
but He is especially present in certain ways, in certain, certain uh, manifestations, uh, in certain places. He manifests His presence in certain ways, certain places, certain experiences that are, are more palpable, that, that come with, with greater potency and power than just His general omnipresence. And, and one of those places is the regular gathering for worship. When God's people gather together, I mean, it's, it's a, a feeling I hope we've all experienced. It's, it's, it's a reality we have all experienced that we struggle to find the words to sort of capture. But we know this, right? That there is a special way in which God draws near by His Holy Spirit, in which the Lord Himself manifests His presence when we gather together to worship God. Shouldn't it surprise us? Matthew 18, verse 20, the Lord said this himself. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. Christ promises to be with his people who gather together. He, he can, in a sense, be with them when they're alone in their quiet time or something like that, but there's this special disclosure, this special manifestation of his presence when two or three are gathered together in his name, and there in a special way he draws near to his people. You have a passage like 1 Corinthians 5, verse 4, where Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he talks about uh, when they are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul says, Paul says his spirit, you know, Paul's spirit is, is with them, with the power of the Lord Jesus. Uh, I, I think the right way, the correct way of reading that verse is that the, the power of the Lord Jesus is with his people in a special way when they are assembled, gathered in his name. You have plenty of passages like Ephesians 2, uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 15, 1 Peter 2, that make reference to the church as something like the household of God or the tabernacle of God by the Spirit, the dwelling place of God's Spirit. The idea is that, that the body comes together and forms this special habitation, the special presence of God by the Spirit is, is, is manifested, is present with His people. And how many times, brothers and sisters, have we experienced that in our gatherings? The very real sense, based on divine promise, uh, that as we're worshiping God, He draws near. He's fulfilled His promise to meet with His people when they gather. I can't tell you how many times in the context of worship, sometimes completely unexpected uh, by, by my own sinful heart, God has been pleased to come close to me, to draw near to me, and to communicate His special presence uh, to me and to us in the context of gathered worship. That's one of the greatest blessings of uh, our regular gatherings together, the blessing of Christ's special presence by the Holy Spirit. Uh, but secondly, uh, we experience when we gather, very simply, the blessing of worshiping God together, the blessing of coming together, assembling together, and engaging in that great and most sacred act of worshiping the living God. And there's all sorts of ways the Bible characterizes this, talks about the worship experience. One of the most well-known is Psalm 100, uh, where we read, the psalmist says, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, serve the Lord with gladness, come into His presence with singing. And know that the Lord, He's God, it is He who made us, and we are His, we are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, 
His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. Bless His name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and His faithfulness to all generations. You just sense the bustle, the excitement, the, the exuberance of entering into the gathered worship of God, uh, entering with thanksgiving and gladness, making a joyful noise, entering His courts with praise and giving thanks to Him and blessing His name. We experience, when we gather, the blessing of worshiping God together. And uh, as for that worship itself, we have various elements, right, that characterize that worship, and those are my next few points here. Uh, so if number one is the special presence of God that we experience, number two is the blessing of worshiping God together, number three, we have the blessing of singing with one another. Uh, that is a, a blessing I uh, painfully miss in these days, of gathering with the saints of God with all the various difficulties and experiences and challenges that face our lives, we come together every Sunday. First thing we do at 1030, uh, as soon as Zach hits that first chord on the guitar, piano, or whatever, uh, to hear God's people with one voice extol Him, praise Him, bless and worship Him. You know the text, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's one of the sweetest blessings of gathered worship for the people of God to sing not only to God, but to sing with and to one another, edifying, encouraging, helping, teaching, exhorting one another in our corporate singing together. Number four, a fourth blessing and joy to our regular gatherings, we have the blessing of praying together. The blessing of addressing God in prayer together. It's a glorious thing to know that we always have access to God. I mean, I can, wherever I am in the world, pray to God and have the assurance, the confidence, the God of the universe, the God of all things, hears my prayer. It's a glorious reality. Uh, but, but then there is this um, special dynamic that's present when God's people together gather with one heart and, and one voice through the voice of the one who is leading, enter in prayer to God. Uh, I'm thinking of corporate prayer here. The prayer that takes place when we assemble and when we gather together. The Apostle Paul talks about this to his uh, son in the faith, Timothy. In an epistle uh, to 1 Timothy, we read in chapter 3, verse 15, there Paul gives sort of the reason for why he's writing the letter. He says, you know, I hope to see you soon, but if I'm uh, delayed in writing to you, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, or if I'm delayed in coming to you, uh, I'm writing to instruct you as to how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, uh, the church. And in that letter, which has that purpose of teaching us how we ought to conduct ourselves as the people of God in the gathered assembly, uh, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, uh, verse 1, first of all then, Here's what you should do when you gather. First of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. You, Timothy, as you lead that church there, when you gather together, offer prayers, supplications, intercessions, thanksgivings for all people. He says in 1 Timothy 2 verse 8, I desire that in every place, I assume he means everywhere where God's people assemble, in every place the men should pray. Lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. It's, it's just a, a glorious reality. Profound and special and sweet, rich reality. 
to unite together in prayer in the context of worship, to be led in prayer by a man who's been set apart for that work, lifting holy hands to God, making our prayers known to Him. One of the greatest blessings of gathered worship. Number five, the blessing of sitting under the preached Word. We believe in the primacy of preaching, the centrality of the Word of God uh, in the, the worship gathering. And how many of us can say um, we have experienced, especially in the preaching of God's Word, as God, God's Word is opened up and faithfully expounded, uh, that, that it's then in the most profound way that God has been pleased to draw near. It's that part of the service where, where all but one of us, the preacher, is silent, and we open the Bible, and hopefully it's explained faithfully, and we hear from God Himself through His Word, through His Word preached. 1 Peter 4 verse 11 says, let him who speaks speak as the oracles of God, the words of God. And when men do that faithfully, it's it's as though God himself comes and speaks to us. Um, For many of us, it's the highlight of our week to sit before God's word, to hear it opened up and expounded and how our hearts have so often burned within us in the context of the preached word. Uh, Number six, sixth blessing and joy of our regular gathering That's the blessing of enjoying the Lord's table together, Uh, that special ordinance that's been given to God's people for regular observance to come together, to take the Lord's Supper together, to have signified, not now uh, through the preached word, but signified in sacrament, in ordinance, through symbols, the broken body and shed blood of Christ. We commune so sweetly with the Lord in that context and so sweetly with one another in observing Uh, this ordinance that Christ has given to us, the remembrance of His death, the communion with Christ and His people through the Lord's table. I was talking with uh, the other men. One of the things we plan to do is whenever we do gather, uh, when we come back together, God willing, uh, that first Sunday we hope to celebrate communion together uh, as one of the sweetest blessings of our regular gatherings. Uh, Seventh uh, blessing I'll mention about our regular gatherings and meetings together is the blessing of mutual fellowship and encouragement. The blessing of mutual fellowship and encouragement. One of the things uh, I'm going to miss the most in these weeks is just those regular, um, unplanned uh, little conversations and times to connect with one another and talk with one another and embrace one another. Uh, uh, I, I just get so much out of seeing God's people Sunday by Sunday Frankly, preaching to an empty room, I'll just be honest with you, it stinks. It's awkward. I want to see your faces. I want to connect with you. I want to embrace you at the door after the service. I, I, I miss those opportunities in the pews or in the hallways when we're able to pray together spontaneously with one another. Just that mutual fellowship and encouragement, the opportunities we've had to gather, uh, uh, whether it's outside behind the church or in the fellowship hall, to, to just share life together and share a meal together and to encourage each other. Uh, one of the great blessings of our, our, our gatherings is we minister to one another uh, when we come together. Well, uh, those are some of the blessings, some of the joys. I imagine you can think of others that we experience when we gather together. In God's strange providence, uh, we're presently deprived of the blessings and joys of the regular gatherings. I say we're, we're deprived, not not. Not by a heart in God that uh, wants to bring harm to us. It's a good God with good plans who has chosen, who has determined, who has decreed that in this season, 
we would be without our regular gatherings. Now, this is where lots of churches would say, it's okay if we can't gather together in church building, uh, never fear, we can just do church online with, with an HD camera, a good live stream. We are going to seamlessly transition our gathering to a, a, an online platform, no sweat. If we can't gather physically to worship, we'll just do church online, we'll assemble online, we'll gather online. Well, to that, uh, we say emphatically, no, we can't do that. We can't do church online. We, the church, the ecclesia, the assembly, the gathering, we can't do that miles apart on the internet. I mean, literally, by definition, we can't. The church is an ecclesia, it's an assembly, it's a gathering of God's people in one place to worship Him. And listen, friends, there is no substitute for the regular gathering. Look, this message, I hope it's edifying, but but it's no substitute for live preaching in the context of a spirit-filled corporate worship service. Live streaming singing and prayer and preaching is no substitute for true gathered worship. We can't do church online. There is something that's missed if we are not assembled together, gathered together. Doesn't mean we shouldn't um, do what we're doing now, broadcasting a message. Doesn't mean we can't gather on Zoom or Facebook Live or something like that. But, but it is no substitute for the regular gatherings of God's people. You know, it was said, at least I, I read this somewhere, uh, that that great London preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones, from uh, the previous century, uh, unbeknownst to him, they were, I guess, recording his messages, and he never felt comfortable with that because he thought, look, a recording of a sermon is not the same thing as a man of God, anointed by God's Spirit, preaching the Word in the context of a worship gathering. And, and, and so again, I, I say, I hope this is helpful to you, but it's just not a substitute for our, our regular gatherings. You know, the, the Apostle Paul, for example, uh, never pretended, as he wrote letters to these churches, he never pretended that he was actually gathered with the churches he wrote to. Rather, uh, he laments his absence from them and greatly longed to be present with them to enjoy the very things he knew he must go without while he was physically absent from them. He doesn't pretend, well, hey, look, I know we can't be together, but I'm writing you a letter. It's, it's just like I'm there, and, and this, is, this is no different. There's no substitute for his actual presence with them, and he knew that, and he, he reflects on that in a number of his epistles. So no, we're not going to pretend, brothers and sisters, that we can offer some sort of substitute for our gatherings uh, that are just as good or even close to as good. Uh, in God's strange providence, we are deprived of our gatherings, and that makes us tremendously sad because there is no substitute. I, I hope all of you, I, I, I hope that some of you are gathering on Sunday mornings and actually going through these liturgies that we send out and you're listening to the messages, but I hope that by the end of that you just think, you know what, I, I'm thankful that that was put out there, but oh my goodness, it, 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 this is not going to cut it. Uh, we, can't, we, can't, uh, we can't survive on a diet of this for the long term. 
Um, I hope you gain benefit from these messages, but we recognize anything we do in these weeks while we're not gathered, it's no substitute for those gatherings. And we are pleading with God that he will soon restore those gatherings, that we might be able to worship God together. Uh, so, so, so here is this sad providence uh, of all that is sad about the current situation surrounding uh, COVID-19. One of the saddest realities is that God's people can't gather together, can't assemble So the question I want to ask now is, the time that remains, what are some appropriate responses to this sad providence? Recognizing how glorious, how wonderful the regular gatherings of God's people are, the fact, the providence that God has seen fit to create a situation in which it's not possible for us to come together, what should be our response to this sad providence? And like I had seven blessings I listed, I have seven responses. I'll move through these quickly, okay? Number one, we should lament the loss of our regular gatherings. We should lament the loss of our regular gatherings. You say, Pastor Alex, are you encouraging me to be sad? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. You ought to lament. You ought to be sad by this providence. But I don't just want you to be sad and, and, and have a frown on your face. I'm talking about the productive sadness of what the Bible calls lament. The productive sadness of lament. Lament is a posture that the Bible commends in a host of different contexts and circumstances. And, 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 and this one such providence is, is, is this situation we find ourselves in. We, the people of God, cannot gather together to worship Him, and we should all lament. We should put on sackcloth and ashes, so to speak, like the saints before us, and lament what God's mysterious providence has brought upon us. And, and, and the reason I commend this posture of lament is because it's in the posture of lament, that important lessons are learned. It's in the posture of lament that we grow and find grace and find help. We learn in the context of lament that we are at all times dependent on God. When we're laid low and we're humbled under the mighty hand of God through what His providence has brought upon us, we learn our dependence upon God. Maybe we really have learned the lesson, I hope we have learned the lesson now, that saying, as James instructs us to say, God willing, saints of old, Deo Valente, something like that, uh, that that really is not just a throwaway comment that we make, but we really do mean if God wills, we will do such and such. But we don't control the world. And as we lament the loss of these gatherings and so many other things, we should learn in that posture that we depend always on God and nothing will happen in our lives apart from His will. Uh, it's in the posture of lament that we learn what it means to wait upon God. You ever read those statements in the Psalms, my soul waits for the Lord, my soul watches for the Lord? The psalmist so often finds himself in a posture of lament. There's some grace, there's some blessing, there's some disclosure of God's presence, a manifestation of His grace and His power and His help that the psalmist is waiting for and looking for. Well, aren't we in that posture now? 
can't gather together as God's people to worship Him? That should drive us to lament and that should drive us to waiting on the Lord. May we learn in this season what it means to wait upon God. It's also in the posture of lament that we learn various lessons about ourselves. It could be in in, in these days as we lament the loss of our regular gatherings that God will teach us things about our own nature, our own frailty, our own sins, uh, and that through that we might find grace and help to grow and to mature, to become more like the Lord Jesus and to better obey and honor God. Um, it's, it's, It's not unlike the sort of lessons we learn through various forms of fasting. You know, some people will fast uh, from food or from sex or from something else, and, 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 and in the context of some sort of, in, in, in the case of fasting, it's usually a voluntary separation from some sort of good gift or blessing from God. We learn things. We're being forced to sort of go without uh, uh, the feast, the bread, the drink of our regular gatherings. What might we learn? in this period of separation from one another. So, brother, sister, don't despise lament. Don't, don't pretend that this is all actually a really, really good thing, you know. Don't be so quick to turn that frown upside down. Uh, allow this sad providence to sink in. This is terribly sad, and I think the Lord would want us to see it that way. This is costly to us, spiritually and otherwise. This is not all right. It's not okay. We all need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God in a posture of lament. And we should say, Lord, this is for us a hard providence. If it be your will, please remove it. But in the meantime, help me to learn and grow in the posture of lament. Second response, uh, we should long for our gatherings with fresh appreciation. We should lament the loss of our gatherings, but secondly, we should long for our gatherings with fresh appreciation. Long. That's that's an important word, a good word, a biblical word. Uh, The Apostle Paul, for example, longed for the churches he wrote to. Romans 1, uh, 9 through 12. Uh, Paul writes, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I mention you, always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Uh, Writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 Paul says, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day, as I remember you, excuse me, as I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. There's a certain longing I hope we're all experiencing in this season, a longing to be once again with God's people. And we should allow that longing to, 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 to grow to build up anticipation within us. There's something to be learned. There's something to be experienced. There's something to be appreciated uh, in, in longing. Uh, my wife and I, for uh, our, our dating, courtship, whatever you want to call it, our engagement, we, were, we didn't live in the same state. It was a long-distance relationship. And we'd be together, and then we'd have to be apart for a week, and back together, and how we longed to be with one another. 
Would I have to be away from my wife now? I long to return to my wife. And there's something to be experienced, to be appreciated, um, even as I long to see her. There, there can be something productive uh, about longing, something that we should learn in waiting and anticipating and in longing. Uh, I heard someone say our, our culture is on a weight loss diet, uh, W-A-I-T, loss. We're done with waiting. We don't want to wait for anything. Uh, we don't long for anything in our, in our day. Uh, it's immediate gratification, immediate satisfaction, or it's not worth having. Well, in, in this period, brothers and sisters, when we're deprived of so many things that are so important to us, and not least of which is the regular gathering, let's relearn the experience of longing. Let the pain and sorrow brought about by the deprivation of our worship gathering sink in. Think about it, reflect upon it, and let the anticipation for that first Sunday back together when we're able once again to assemble, let the anticipation mount and rise as you long for that reunion, as you long for the gathered assembly. I need to move more quickly here with these last five points. Um, th- this, this third one is so important, so I'll spend a little more time on it and then just really breeze through the last four. Uh, but the third point is this, third response to this sad providence. Thirdly, we should be spiritually alert. We should all be spiritually alert. Listen, the the corporate means of grace, that is, the means of grace we experience in the context of our regular gatherings, the corporate means of grace really are means of grace. And now... We find ourselves without them. Not all the means of grace. You can read your Bible. You can pray to God at home. But those, those, those things we experience in the context of the gathered assembly, the corporate means of grace, we have to go without for some time. We had so hoped it would only be a week or two. Looks like it's going to be longer. And, and, and there's no getting around this, friends. This will surely make us more vulnerable to satanic attack. This will surely make us more vulnerable spiritually. The fact that we can't assemble together. You think of all that the Bible says about how how important our regular gatherings with one another are to our spiritual health and well-being, and now we're without them. There's no getting around it. We are all, all of us, the strongest Christian among us, more vulnerable spiritually as a result of what's going on in our world today and the fact that we can't meet. You may be quarantined in your home, but you can't quarantine yourself from spiritual warfare. Uh, you, You are still engaged in a conflict against the enemies of your soul, and you still need to, Ephesians 6, put on the whole armor of God that you might might face uh, the spiritual powers and authorities that seek to assault your soul. You need to Go to Christ and find in Him the resources you need to fight uh, your, your battles in the spiritual realm. Friends, what might Satan be pleased to do over the next two to three months uh, if he were to have his way? We, we need not wonder, okay? That liar, that murderer, that old roaring lion 
is on the prowl right now. And he's seeking to poach sheep who presently find themselves away from the fold. My brother, my sister, he's after you. And now you're in this season when you're without the regular gatherings. Well, what should our posture be? I think the word of the Lord Jesus to us during this season would be to watch and pray. We need to watch and pray during this season. To go to God and ask Him for help in this season when we can't gather. We need to do that at all times, but maybe especially now as we're apart from church and from the regular gathering. We should be on alert. I, I can make this point by illustration. Like, like many of you, uh, I try, try being the operative word, I try uh, to watch what I eat. Um, and so I've learned something about myself. Um, I have learned that I have almost no power to resist the, um, the hot now sign at Krispy Kreme. If I'm driving and I'm hungry and I see the hot now sign on, I have no power, at least it feels like I have no power to resist pulling off into the Krispy Kreme parking lot, going in, grabbing a dozen donuts and eating them all right there on the spot. Now, I know there are people listening to this who can sympathize with me, okay? Uh, I, I, just find, I just know this about myself. I, I can't resist the Krispy Kreme uh, donuts. But, but here's what I found, that if I eat a good dinner, get, get nice and full, okay, I've filled myself up with, with healthier food, I'm not hungry anymore, uh, and if I guard my eyes while I'm driving and potentially sometimes even change my route to my destination to avoid the hot now sign, I can successfully resist the temptation. I want to avoid eating a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in the parking lot, and in order to do that, I've learned I have to plan. I have to fill myself up with better stuff, and I have to make preparations. I have to make even adjustments. I have to discipline myself. Well, listen, to bring it to something that matters, we all need to recognize that when we're without the regular gathering, we are, it's true, we are more spiritually vulnerable. So what should we do? Well, well, hear me in this. We should not huddle up in the spiritual fetal position, so to speak, and weep bitterly. No, my friend, we have resources. We should all seek to arm ourselves, equip ourselves with the full armor of God. We should prepare. We should watch and pray. We should put on the armor of God. I encourage you, brother, sister, in this season where we're deprived of our gatherings, we should be spiritually alert. We should watch and pray. We should be on guard against Satan's attacks. Now, I'll just breeze through these last few points. Number four, uh, as we're deprived of our gatherings, let me encourage you, we should make every effort to stay connected to the body during this time of separation. And I'm just encouraging you to pull out all the stops. We're doing what we can as, as, as leaders of the church and as a staff. There's going to be messages posted, uh, uh, prayers posted, devotionals, podcasts, emails. We're going to, like I said at the start of this time, call our members week by week. Um, we're going to do what we can to stay connected. Bless God that we have multiple mediums and means by which we can stay connected. I encourage you to do this as well. Make that phone call. Call another brother or sister in the church. Hear their voice. Pray together. Talk to one another. Send emails. Send text messages. If you feel comfortable, 
Uh, I'm not Lord of your conscience. Do whatever you think is best. But if you feel the freedom to do this, go on walks together. Get outside. You want to maintain six feet of distance, that's fine. Um, but, but go on walks if you need to. Uh, you can come over to my front porch. This is an invitation to anybody. I have two white rockers on my front porch. It's in the shade. It's beautiful weather out. And right now, they're pretty much separated six feet apart. We could even put them wider apart if you want. But if you want to come to my house, sit on the porch and talk about the Lord and talk about fighting sin and clinging to His grace and loving His Word, uh, the invitation is wide open. Uh, but let's do everything we can to stay connected as a body during this time. Uh, number five, very similarly, we should avail ourselves of every opportunity for spiritual blessing during this season. Okay, so if, if I know I'm more vulnerable, I'm going to take more opportunities and advantages to strengthen myself, to help myself. So I want to encourage you, Christian, uh, avail yourself of every opportunity for spiritual blessing during this season. So like, here's one practical example. Uh, I listen to a lot of uh, books on Audible, or I listen to like podcasts like about the news or uh, some topic I'm interested in. Uh, so I am substituting most of that material right now with sermons, because I just I can't gather with the Lord's people. I can't get so much. That there's not as much intake of spiritually rich content as I normally have because there are no regular gatherings. And so some of the other stuff I'm putting off for now, I can catch up on some of that other stuff at another time. But right now, I need spiritual blessing. I need God's Word working on me right now and reorienting my thoughts according to the concerns of His kingdom and, and His church and uh, giving me a spiritual perspective. So, so brother, sister, take advantage of every opportunity for spiritual blessing. Listen to sermons. If you're not having to commute to work, have an extended quiet time. Don't just think, well, now I can, you know, be on social media for another hour in the morning. Uh, get in God's Word. Have an extended quiet time. Read good Christian books. Memorize Scripture. Take every advantage uh, of opportunities for spiritual blessing during this season. Number six, very obvious. I trust all of us are doing this. Number six, we should ask that God would restore to us the blessings and joys of our gatherings with one another. Like this is a prayer you can bring to God even this morning. You could use these very words. My Father in heaven, I don't like this. I don't like not being able to gather with my spiritual family. You have told me in your word that you don't want us to forsake regularly gathering together. You have told us in your word there are blessings that come with gathering together with your people, and I want those blessings back. Father, on the basis of your word, would you please be gracious and kind and restore to us the blessings and joys of our regular gathering. And then number seven, okay, number seven, I'll, I'll, I'll recap uh, the first six for you if you're taking notes. Number one, we should lament the loss of our regular gatherings. Number two, we should long for our gatherings with fresh appreciation. Number three, we should be spiritually alert. Number four, we should make every effort to stay connected to the body during this time of separation. Number five, we should avail ourselves of every opportunity for spiritual blessing during this season. Number six, we should ask that God would restore to us the blessings and joys of our gatherings with one another. And number seven, I want to end on a note of hope and encouragement. We should look in hope 
through the gathering of the saints in glory. We should look, anticipate, in hope to the gathering of the saints in glory. Think about this, the gathering that will never be canceled, suspended, or postponed. The eternal joy that can never alter. The unending paradise that will never wane. The splendor and glory that cannot be diminished. The marriage feast that never ends. Just think, brothers and sisters, all the uncertainty, fear, anxiety, and sorrow we feel now will be banished when that great ecclesia, that great assembly, that great gathering is ours for all eternity. And, and, and as we feel the sting, the pain of being without our regular gatherings together, let us hope for that day, for that gathering that will never end. Uh, uh, no, no virus can threaten that assembly. Uh, there's no trial, no hardship, no difficulty, nothing can challenge uh, the glory and splendor and peace and joy and wonder of that assembly and glory forever. So even as we're not together, let us hope in that coming day when we will be with the Lord forever and our, our enjoyment of His presence, His special presence, even being with Him face to face, will never be interrupted and never come to an end. I hope that this word has been a blessing to you. We should lament the loss of our gatherings, but we should beseech God that He would soon restore them. And in the meantime, we should seek to learn every lesson we can learn in this time. We should seek to get all the spiritual benefit we can get out of this season while we're apart. And our pledge to you as the pastors of this church is we're going to make every effort to help you. We're here for you. We're here with you. Listen, we're all going to pull through this together, but we have to, we have to make some adjustments. We have to be thoughtful. We have to be spiritually alert. And I just want to encourage you pastorally, we need all hands on deck. We need everybody to pull together spiritually and, 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 and humbly acknowledge before the Lord we recognize this can be very challenging for us as a church. We are all in some ways more spiritually vulnerable. But if we look to God, if we keep watch, if we pray, if we stay connected to one another, if we lean into spiritual opportunities, opportunities to be under his word and, and, and in prayer to him and, and drawing some, some spiritual blessing from various opportunities, we will pull through this. God's grace is sufficient. This has not surprised him at all. And... Um, by the help of God, by the grace of Christ, by the power of the Spirit, we will, we will uh, endure and persevere through this trial. Let me close in a word of prayer. Our Father in heaven, acknowledging to you our spiritual need, our need for your grace, our need for your help, we want to come to you in a posture of humility and just ask that you would please pour out your grace in abundance, beyond measure, because our needs are so great during this time. We recognize that without our regular gatherings, without being able to see one another and touch one another and be together, we are more vulnerable. And in such a strange way, 
in ways, uh, ways that are mysterious to us, we recognize it's your providence, your will that has brought us into the current situation we find ourselves in. But Lord, don't neglect your sheep. We are still trusting you as our good shepherd to lead us in the paths of righteousness, uh, to lead us in green pastures and beside still waters. We're looking to you to be our helper and our comforter, to guide us during these days. We pray that you would equip us with the armor of God, that you would help sustain us in a posture of watchfulness and prayer, and that you would help us to persevere in this season. We pray that you would work in each one of us the experience of longing, longing that will actually overflow into a richer appreciation for our gatherings together in the future. Let us never take them for granted. Help us to learn every lesson you want us to learn during this time. There are things perhaps we're beginning to see and things we've not yet seen. We pray that you would be kind and merciful to show us all that you want us to learn through this difficult time. Show us things in your word. Show us things about ourselves. Most of all, show us things about you. We pray that you would help us and keep us. We pray together in Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, that's the end of this recording. Again, please feel free to reach out to us uh, with any needs that you may have, any prayer requests. We're going to continue posting messages week by week, doing some of the other things I mentioned, letters midweek and phone calls. Uh, but by the grace of God, we're going to be all right. We're going to persevere uh, through this. So I encourage you to press on in the grace of the Lord Jesus. Uh, until next time, amen.